Welcome to episode 215 of the Andrew Hyde's Real Estate Investing Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Controlling Compound Financial. They teach real estate investors how to multiply their wealth using infinite banking strategies. For a complimentary wealth coaching session or to learn more, visit www.controllingcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines. Today, I've got Jake Rose now on the show. And Jake is actually a business partner of one of my business partners, Nick Van Dyke. So Nick Van Dyke and I hosted the Investing in the US Mastermind. And Jake is his partner on his self-storage development in Houston, Texas. So that's no small feat. Uh, In this episode, we really dug into the mindset it takes to, when you have never done this before, go out and decide that you're going to build a $20 million storage facility and you're going to raise $3 million in 60 days. Uh, So that's what Nick and Jake did. And no small feat when neither of them had ever done anything like that before. We really dug into what that was like, um, why they did it, and what the actual deal will look like and how they'll profit from it in the end. So if you want to know more about self-storage and how those deals work, um, how somebody could possibly take on such a large scale um, endeavor, this is definitely an episode for you. As always, I want to remind you that the GTA West REI meetup is happening monthly and please make sure you are in the Facebook group. It is uh There's a link to that underneath this video or in the show notes of this episode. I'd love to see you at one of our events. So make sure you join the group and make sure you RSVP to our next one. And we'll see you there. Now that we've got that out of the way, let's jump into episode 215 with Jake Rose now. Hello and welcome to the Andrew Hines Real Estate Investing Podcast. I've got Jake Rose now on the show. After coming to the Mastermind this weekend, you are here in the studio. So thanks for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. And it's a little bit surreal, to be honest. As we talked this weekend, I've been listening for quite a few years. And here we are now. I'm on it. So thank you for having me. Nice. Yeah. So a more unlikely guest being that you're very far away, you're Ottawa based, well, close to Ottawa. Whereabouts did you say? We're out of Brockville. Um, our properties are all from basically Kingston to Cornwall. So North Kingston. East. So Cornwall's obviously, uh, I've talked about that a few times, like a pretty cheap place to, uh, to invest. Yes. Yeah. As far as an entry price point. Absolutely. All the way along. It's high cap rates, high cash flow. Yeah. So why would you want to invest anywhere else? Yeah, right. Exactly. But so are you invest, like, obviously, um, we've talked off camera about this, but you're invested, you and Nick are doing the self-storage development in Houston, Texas. Yes. And was that a natural progression from what you had done before? Um, I, I would say a little bit of yes and a little bit of no, right? It's an entirely different asset class. It's a very good asset class. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of opportunity there. Um, but coming from the ground up, right? When you start with residential real estate, like many people on your mm-hmm. podcast, right? You start with flips and burrs and conversions and everything else. So yeah, I, I, we were looking to pivot and uh, it was a great opportunity uh, to be presented with the, with the chance to do that. Yeah, I, the thing I like about this, and for context, for those who aren't following, so Nick Van Dyke's been on the show a couple of times, once not that long ago, I think it was episode 202, where we talked about the self-storage development. Um, big numbers there, right? Like we're talking over $20 million final valuation. Yep. You guys pulled the trigger on this when? I want to say August, uh, July. So just July. this past August. Yes, yep. So you pull the trigger, you guys had like 30 or 60 days to raise a couple million bucks or a million dollars or something like that. 3.1. You needed 3.1 in, in 90 days or uh, 60 days. Just about. Yep. Yep. Wow. Yeah. That's, that's ballsy. That was ballsy. So, so yeah. when, when you guys decided you were going to go ahead with this, cause that's pretty much the total capital raise for you. Yes. When, like what was going through your head at that time saying, yeah, I know a few people with some money or I know a couple people who take a big chunk of that. Like what was the thought process at that point? Big gulps. Just big gulps without well, sink like, or swim. Yeah. It was like, well, now we've got to do it right. We were talking about it. Um, we, we had kind of gone back and forth with some ideas and hypotheticals and, you know, soft commitments and, Hey, I should have this much, this many people interested in everything else. But when it comes down mm-hmm. to it, you don't have a deal until you have a deal. Right. So yeah. We, uh, we were talking with, uh, I know that Nick was talking about his coach, um, Joe, and he's a partner on our deal now. And one of his biggest things was always, are you interested or are you committed? Mm-hmm. So as soon as we decided that, no, we're actually committed, um, and not just interested in the self storage, it was okay, then let's do the deal. Let's yeah. go and let's figure it out later. 
that's cr- that's like that's not like oh a million bucks or like <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's like well obviously there's two of you so did you say like a million and a half each or just like whoever gets there first or however we get it done to be honest it was let's just get it done right i mean we had uh my background in in finance was hey i may have some people that might be interested in it right and um you know, Nick's background in, in JVing and, and raising money for years that he's been successful at. Yeah, he doesn't really get into that too much when he comes on. But yeah, so he's been JVing a bit. I know he's been he's obviously been sharing about his his track record for quite some time. He's done a very good job. Yeah. So he but, you know, so his Instagram following is small, but from the sounds of it, he's made a lot of connections through there that have ultimately ended up being becoming investors. Solid. Yeah, absolutely. That's crazy um, to think that. Like, I think a lot of people underestimate that. Like, even if you have only a few hundred followers, there's money there. Like, there's people that would would invest with you. And I don't think a lot of us um, maybe are thinking about that as much as we could be thinking about it. Yep. Okay, so you pulled the trigger on that. What was the... So, obviously, you're committed... What was what was the negative outcome if you if you didn't deliver if you what 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 if you came up with two point five and not three? Um, well, I mean, it, it was able. We were in the in the advantageous position to be able to close on the property with far less than three point one. So we we really were able to raise about two thirds of it in that amount of time, and then we kind of were able to filter in the rest of it yeah. because you know there's obviously soft costs involved uh, on top of just the purchase price. Yeah, as, as far as Nick has described it to me, it's like two million sort of covers what you need, and then you have an extra million to cover uh, interest payments and you know returns to the lenders and all that extra stuff. Extra design fees, yeah. permit costs, things like that. Yeah, all the soft stuff. So hypothetically, you're done raising for this project. Hypothetically, we're done raising for this project. And you're hoping that that stays true. <laughs> yes, and you know the way that we've been able to structure it, we have opportunity to add more should we need more. Yeah. Okay. So you have the ability. Uh, Nick was explaining this this weekend. The whole uh, you guys have basically set it up that seventy percent of the equity still remains with you as the um, the general partners of the deal. So you guys have done the GPLP structure. Thirty yes. percent of of your shares are are the uh, the limited partner shares, which you've sold out. Yes, exactly that. It's actually uh, you haven't even fully sold out the thirty, right? Yeah, we're at about twenty seven, and and yeah. we we only needed twenty seven in order to get us to that three point one. So you can flex for a few more yes, if you need. Exactly. Like you, can you add ten more if you want to? If we needed it, there's there's still. Would there be amendments to your partnership documents that you'd have to do? Yes. But I guess every time, like, because you guys are bringing in a strategic partner on your deal, yes. uh, they're they're your sponsor. Is that right? Yes, essentially somebody that has. 150% of our construction loan value mm-hmm. in a net worth plus two to three million in cash. Two to three million in cash. How does that conversation go? Like, I mean, I get it. Like you get in a conversation with somebody, you see that they're driving a Ferrari and you start making some assumptions. What do you do for a living? What do you, and yeah. then you, you kind of ask a couple of related questions and you get a, a vibe that it's there because you don't really want to come right out and say, Hey, do you have yeah. three million in cash and, uh, or a stocks, stocks work too? Uh, yeah, it's just gotta be outside. The value has to be outside of, uh, that project. Yeah. Essentially. But you can't have it tied up in real estate cause that's not liquid. Right. So it could be anything on uh, paper investments kind of thing. Yes. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. So you can make some assumptions and figure that and then net worth wise, also some educated assumptions and you, you'll probably have a good idea. Yeah. So for you guys who you found it, were you saying in Vegas? Well, we were at the mastermind, uh, in Vegas with our partner. Um, he was hosting a large self storage, uh, mastermind for a couple of days. And it just came up that we're in a room with people that are all like-minded and going in the same direction and interested in the same asset class. Just keep talking and you, you start meeting people. And before you know it, we had found somebody that was somewhat interested and we just kind of nurtured that relationship and built on it. And we're just open and honest about our direction and what we were hoping for and looking to achieve long-term. So it really is a matter of getting out there. Like you guys, first off you committed, second off you got out there and did it. It wasn't a matter. Yeah. I like that differentiation, the interested or committed. Yeah. And you know what? At first it was, I didn't really recognize it, I think, as much as in terms of the value that that actually brings. And the more I think about it, it's that's the most common thing and the, the easiest thing to look at. You have so many people that want to get into real estate. You have so many people that talk about getting into real estate, wishing they got into real estate. You talk to a lot of people, right? And and the people don't pull the trigger. They're interested, but they're not committed, right? And and going back to this, it was like, what are we going to do to change? I 
had a great paying T4 job that was commission-based. I got time freedom from it. I could make my own schedule, financial freedom. It paid really well for the effort that I put in. Um, I like to help people. So it gave me that uh, purpose freedom at the same time. And what was it going to take to make me leave that? Because I had also got into the residential real estate while doing that job, right? So you have left it? I have left it. Which uh, job was this? This I was a financial planner um, with, with a bank in Canada and 15-year history with them um, dealing with wealth and retirement planning. Now their whole angle. Okay. Yeah. So what's your access like to your clients from when you were doing financial planning? Is it like a non-compete for X number of time? Uh, yeah. Um, that's a tough one to kind of navigate, right? <laughs> the, the nice, the really nice part about it is that I built some really great relationships, right? Yeah. You, you build those in-depth relationships cause you're having those conversations that are not easy all the time, right? Um, mm -hmm. the ones that are close to people's hearts and I've built a relationship with them on a personal level too. So even though I'm not there, we mm -hmm. still talk, people still want your personal email. They want to stay yeah. in touch. Um, they follow my wife, uh, on, on Facebook, Instagram, they follow me like, so they find out about this stuff. They find out about it. They ask questions. And then they approach you then is <laughs> free game. I think free game. I think <laughs> that works out. It would be very strange if one of the banks were to say, Hey, um, you know, Jake, don't deal with this person. And then you have to tell that person, yeah, the bank's saying, I can't deal with you. That, they would, that would probably upset them. So I don't think that the bank's likely to take that position. We legitimately, and I, I say we, because my wife and I manage the same book of clients, actually, at the bank. We were a partnership. Um, we managed it all together. And she was just talking with one of our clients who she was advising that I had moved on, right? Hadn't spoke to him in a couple of months. And he got mad at her that I did not pitch this deal to him. He's a real estate investor himself. Yeah. He invests in in rental properties and flips and things like that. And he was actually mad that I did not bring it up. Um, I can't do that while I'm employed, but, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could talk about what you're doing, but, I mean, you can't offer it as an investment, that's I suppose. Right. Yeah, that's a tricky one. How long have you been uh, away from the job? Yeah, well, it's been, what, six months, five, six months six now? Six months. Just so your, your monthly incomes now, is is it just based on the rental properties that you have? Or Yeah, I've left the job. Um, I've gone in on our our real estate portfolio, as well as now the NVDR development, uh, self-storage portfolio. Luckily I do have my partner who's my wife is still at work, um, and, and able to help us out a little bit and supplement the income. So, yeah, gotcha. That's, uh, that's a good way of doing it. So I guess you, did you and your wife meet in the, in the job? Yeah. So we had met, uh, years ago, um, at, at, at events and, and kind of just stayed close and ended up working in the same environment uh in the same close to the same cities and and just kind of joined our forces instead of working from the same household but kind of against each other we decided to partner up and, and build something even bigger together that's awesome yeah i like that when you know when two people come together i feel like you can create more than two times the results absolutely you know right. there's a bit of an exponential growth there i think so w what was your background before the financial planning like you said 15 years 15 years so yeah. you went to university got a degree went straight into a commission-based job yeah don't you know not quite <laughs> don't don't get me too started there um I, I do have a book coming out that that i'm talking about uh, a lot of this and being able to kind of escape the rat race and escape break three of the mold of your t4 and work till you're 65 and live for the next eight to ten years on average right um but went to university was aiming to get, you know, that teacher job, was aiming to get, you know, those nice comfortable summers off, March breaks, Christmas holidays, good pay, come home with enough time to, to spend with your family and go to sleep and repeat, right? Um, decided midway through or in my third year that university was not for me. I did not want to be a teacher anymore. Uh, freaked out. Did some interest tests. They didn't interest me at all afterwards. Uh, any, any findings there and went to college, tried to do it all over again got into uh, subdivision design and site development and ended up in the bank. <laughs> Interesting. So yeah, they're all correlated, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I feel like that now, like I have said this many times, I, I don't want my son to go to university. I mean, as it is right now and he's only 14 months old, but I just don't see a point. I, I think that the real world skills, the people I see like, um, you know, Nick, for example, uh, Matt Pichet, like, well, actually, Nick did a college uh, diploma, I believe. He's got but, an engineering background, but yeah. it, it works and helps us today. Matt Pichet, for instance, like, 
did not do post-secondary straight into carpentry. Yeah. Like guy crushes, <laughs> absolutely. Like multi-million dollar net income. Yes, killing it. Um, you know, it's not the determining factor. In fact, you'd probably find more of a inverse correlation. Like the more educated, the less money to a degree, like there's a diminishing return, right? For a while it adds more and then it starts diminishing. So um, big thing is getting around hustlers. And I would rather, you know, have my son apprentice under somebody who's crushing it, doing something he thought was cool. And then getting into those rooms, right? Get in those rooms. Like, yeah, it's just such a different perspective. It's going to be a changing world. And part of the reason why I soften on my position on student rentals a bit is I think institutionalized education is going to out of necessity need to change. Maybe I'm wrong. Like it's just, it's just a vulnerability is how I look at it. You're not wrong. That's hundred percent the truth. And you know, it was designed to create people to get into uh, labor positions, right? Yeah, exactly. Jobs like yeah. people who will just work a job until they're, uh, until they're, you know, 65 or whatever, or live five to, or sorry, 10 to 13 more years. And then that's it. That's right. Yeah. Like that's Matt again, not to bring up Matt multiple times, but he just posted this yesterday. I reposted it like eight articulating exactly that that's exactly like <laughs> figure it out guys <laughs> and it's dangled in front of you with hey here's this really great salary salary we're gonna pay you two weeks in advance yeah. right to just come here and give up your time give up your time yeah you got to get out of that trading time for money but i mean so where you're at right now so what how are you focusing right now because your current deal most of the pieces are in are put together and this is one of the things i like the best because you've got something that was is worth 20 to 22 million when you're done as per appraisal and you're figuring 13 to 15 million to build it. Yep. Absolutely. So there's anywhere from five to $7 million equity in there. And it's going to take 24 to 36 months, 24 to 36 months from when you started. Yes. So once construction starts, how long? 10 to 12 months. Yeah. We're hopeful maybe even less like the nice part about self storage and not to take away from residential or building, uh, developing residential stuff. We have one toilet, maybe two that we got to worry about. Everything else comes down to steel, asphalt, concrete, really, right? It's not sexy, but it's consistent. Oh, I like it. Um, so this is one of the topics we covered at the mastermind and just looking at how, how, um, the demand for that. It's like, if you look at what it costs to build versus what it, what it can yield on a, on a per square foot basis, I guess. Is it yielding like comparable rent to what a multifamily building does on a per square foot basis? It would be close. Um, I think it's about three times the equity of multifamily um, in terms of when we look at our syndication, we're holding 70% of it, not giving up 70% of it. Yeah. Versus if you were doing it on a multifamily, it'd probably be the other way around. You right. guys would keep a tiny sliver. Yep. And then you look at construction costs and it's like half, right? We're, we're, so it costs half. Yeah. So if you built a hundred thousand square feet in multifamily, what's that? Maybe, maybe a hundred units. And this is more than a hundred units probably, right? Well, we're, yeah, we're, we're looking at about ours, our preliminary, we're just over 700. I think we ended up net, uh, with a few changes that we made. We're like pushing high 600s, 600 units. Yeah. 680, And each one of those units is going to rent for what, 150 to 200 bucks, something like that. So we'd have to really, you know, look at those numbers a few different ways, but are there any other important like kind of ways you can look at it and say how it was obviously better to you than going at multifamily development? Well, we're in Ontario, right? So I think that's the first part. Um, being the landlord in Ontario is very difficult um, to be able to acquire properties or build properties and, and actually have and own control of your, your own property, right? Our, our rules and our laws are obviously in, in favor of our tenants. Um, than they are for us. Yeah, I don't think it's a fantastic place to grow all other things considered, right? Like, like, I mean, all other things held constant. If you just look at the laws, you probably want to grow somewhere else. Of course, if you find a smoking deal here, yeah. you can still still yeah. make it work, right? One hundred percent. And I mean, yeah. we're we're very much all in on the self storage side of things. But uh, you know, we would say that if an opportunity pre presents itself in front of us that you can't say no to, you're not going to say no to it. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, I, I definitely think that that it's worth keeping an open mind no matter what. And I'm the same way. Like, yeah, I'm focused in the U S right now, but I think, you know, as things sort of, as more opportunities become available here in Ontario and it looks like the market's starting to stabilize. So maybe, maybe this is the bottom. Maybe it's not, I don't know. Um, I think that there might be potentially some, some further, uh, fall to happen, but there could be some really great deals here. There already are. There's going to be even more coming if interest rates keep going up, right? Wait till renewal time. And these values are yeah. overvalued. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll we'll see uh, we'll see how that all works out. So, you guys have sliced up that pie many different ways. Um, what I was really getting at is 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 if 
like if you could have done a multifamily in Houston, Texas. So so Houston's where you where you chose, and we'll get into why. But if you could have done a multifamily or a self storage, like what do you take away? Like of course there's way less infrastructure, there's way less to maintain, less yeah. decisions. You're not you're not deciding on tile and backsplashes and all that stuff. That's right. As no much as sometimes colors. it's fun to to make those decisions. Um, no, it's, it's very straightforward, right? How many units can we get into this space based off of our feasibility study and what the demand is, right? That's the very first thing that you do is, is we, we schedule the feasibility study and then take a look at it from there. What's the average income? What's the need? What's the demand? What sizes are popular in the current existing facilities? Um, and what are they lacking, right? We're developing class A large scale facilities. Um, that are like a boutique hotel, right? Like you show up up front and they're beautiful. So it's not your, your mom and pop gated chain link fence, gravel road. Dark. No. Yeah. You're doing class a, like really nice asphalt, you know, paved. It looks good. Well, it's obviously brand new, so it's going to be well-maintained yep. trying to attract the big players. Yeah. And you guys are planning to keep it. Yes. Would you, would you ever sell any of them? Well, that's that's always up in the air, right? Um, it's the same thing as here. If if you've got any real estate, if somebody's going to come willing to give you a price that's, you know, uh, significant, you're you're going to entertain it. Okay, so let's get into how it's being broken up. So, uh, you guys had to bring in a, uh, a sponsor, and this is somebody that can guarantee the the mortgage. That's the big thing if you want to get construction financing. Yes. So you didn't need them right away, but you needed them at some. We needed them at some point before applying for the loan. Okay, so then uh, when you found them, uh, how, like, you don't have to tell exactly what you gave them, but, like, what are you typically looking at to give a sponsor? Like, what would be a kind of a going rate? Going rate could be, I mean, like finding contractors, right? You don't want to take the lowest all the time. You don't want to take the highest. You got to find somebody that's going to be able to work with you and fit with you, right? Um, we wanted the ability to grow with our with our sponsor, um, but going rate is going to be anywhere from 5 to 15 percent of the deal yeah maybe 20 um, maybe 20 and they don't have to come in with any actual money right in our situation our sponsor believed in our deal and and has also purchased um a share so, in our some deal of the well. limited partnership yeah. okay yeah okay very cool encouraging to know that we have a good a good product because they also do it themselves and then you have uh, another partner that you brought in sort of not as a financial partner but as like a sort of a mentor or yes. part of the deal yep uh, the legacy team and Joe Evangelisti, uh, Brian Brogan, those guys um, over there, they've they've got 10, 12 deals going and a couple of joint ventures, including ours. Okay, so what's what what's the reason to bring them into the deal? And, and if you're comfortable sharing or even just giving a ballpark of, of what that costs you to have them in the deal, um, tell me about it. Well, um, I, I don't want to necessarily look at it as costly because it's actually priceless to have yeah. them. Um, it's as cliche as it sounds. Um, they've been around, right? They've done it. They've gone through, they've got, like I said, 12 of them, I think. And they started prior to COVID, right? So they've been through some really bad times, experienced them themselves. Um, and that knowledge is, and being able to leverage that knowledge and that experience is huge. So, um, again, paying somebody that's been there, we're giving up. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head or 10 to 15, right? So 10 to 15 on that. On the GP side again. And what do you and Nick hope to each like retain out of the deal? Like by the time all is said and done and it's the end of the end of the bill as much as possible. But I think we're looking at 30 to 40, 30 to 40 between the two of you to keep. Okay. Which isn't nothing when you're looking at five to 7 million and it's not nothing in equity. There's a ton of opportunity and, and the rate of return on the limited partnership side of things. Like we're looking at a minimum minimum. It's all hypothetical at this point, but based off of what our partners have seen, we're looking at anything from a return of 15 to 25 percent 15 to 25 percent for the people who've bought into it yes. that's a cool deal man <laughs> you're also going to retain equity in that deal going forward we're keeping them on and you guys have uh, have you financially invested in the deal as well yes nick and i both well nick nick's family my family his wife and i and my wife um we're all into it um personally as well so very very cool deal like i mean i think most people would hear this and be like what <laughs> what are you doing yeah <laughs> go back to your duplexes yeah yeah it's it's big and it's scary man but it's uh but it's a great asset class as a whole what is that so say say you had 10 percent of it on the low end i know you're you're talking more than that if it was 10 percent and there's 7 million in equity that's 700 700 g's in equity yeah. added to your net worth from one deal which i would think correct me if i'm wrong isn't occupying every minute of your time anymore. 
it's not currently this specific deal is not no occupying 100% of our time. Um, we're, we're also always looking at deal two, three and four, right? Yeah. So what, what are you doing right now to maintain this? Is it just the odd meeting? I mean, cause everything's sort of like who's handling, uh, quarterbacking all the soft cost process. Like, did you just hire a consultant that's just doing everything? Yeah. And then that's part of obviously the, the partners that we've brought on. Uh, so yeah. Joe and them, they'll give direction to the consultants. Well, it's it's us. Uh, Nick and I are are on obviously our weekly calls. We're we're talking every single day um, about it. Um, but we're managing essentially a GC that's managing the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And when you say GC, they're general, they're they're sort of doing the whole- yeah. He's quarterbacking the design team. Yeah, the design. The Do you have di- designs for your site? Like you have a site plan. You have yeah. all that stuff done. Everything's is completed. it submitted? We've got our submitted for permits. It's been submitted for about oh, a submitted. month now. Oh, so you have the full package done? Yeah, we're we're expecting it back. I want to say middle of the end of this month, middle of next month. Did they make you do everything like noise studies, sound studies, light studies, all that stuff? Or yeah, there 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 were certain studies involved. Um, they were really mainly concerned about. Um, Shadows, sorry, shadow study was what I meant to say. Shadow study, yeah, no, they they were more concerned about um like the water tables and things like that. They get flooding. Yeah, okay. we had flood plans. We had to change our design a little bit, um, rotate some of our buildings. It helped with obviously our detention pond. That was another thing. They had some changes in that last minute. Um, Do you have to have a stormwater detention detention? Pond? Yes, it, it's taken up like three and a half, nearly four acres of our seven and a half acre site. And that's just so you're not draining onto the roadway or onto a neighbor's property or something like that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, the nice part about Houston uh, specifically is it's zoned by right. Uh, You can pretty well put whatever you want up wherever you want. And like I was telling you this weekend, it's, you know, we're backing up against a huge residential neighborhood and people don't want to drive to their self-storage facility. So we have a huge, a huge demand in the area um, and it's close, right? Within a tight area and just the viewability of the site is is there as well right that yeah that's that's pretty cool so design uh, so zone by right like explain that what that actually means yeah so it's not you know you're you're looking to do a conversion on a property here right and you've got to go to the city and you've got to apply for minor variance and you've got to go through and make sure that all the neighbors agree that this is okay and that they're comfortable with it we didn't have to jump through any hoops zoning wise we didn't have to say go to the city say we're looking to do a self-storage facility will you so there was no pre-consultation meeting nothing like that or did you do a consultation with the city we did not the the nice benefit too was is we we bought a property that was shovel ready and a lot of detail the minor details the beginning details of that has already been completed so yeah explain how how did that happen how were you able to buy a shovel ready property yeah so that came through um through our, our GPs, our general partner um, that we brought on, um, Joe Evangelisti, his team, Legacy, they've done it. So they already had this in the pipeline? They had some of it, um, some of them available to us. And, and So they had a handful of deals and this was one of the ones in there. And you guys happened to be speaking with them and then they said this was happening and you guys jumped on it, is that? They said we have a deal, uh, we have a property. Um, they didn't have the, the time for it at the time or or whatever their situation was and you know. Somebody had to go out and raise three million on it. Nick's, so. Nick's coming saying, hey, there's this deal. We ran the numbers um, extensively and spent a couple of days on it and said, yeah, let's go. I remember uh, Nick talking about feasibility studies. Obviously somebody has to, to evaluate what the what the demand for storage is in a certain area so you hire somebody that does those type of feasibility studies and what was the feedback about that area so there is a large demand in houston uh within only a two and a half uh, mile radius and typically they'll look at three and four mile radiuses but we actually went more conservative with a two and a half mile radius and we had like a demand of 300 over three hundred thousand square feet within two and a half miles we're developing a hundred thousand that really reduced our risk, right? Yeah, so you're underserving the area. Maybe you'll buy somewhere else in the area and build more. That's uh, it's always on the table, right? It's just got to find the lot. But yeah, the, the cool thing, like with the size um, of what you're doing, is and I know I've, I've talked to you guys, I have the inside scoop like you're hiring professional management when you're done, that's the plan. And they'll do everything, maintenance, like you don't need to go find your handyman in the area. That's right. Do you already have, well, I mean, I'm guessing Joe and and those guys have 
connections to people already that would manage it. Um, yeah, I mean, we've there's some big players in in the in the U.S. Uh, when it comes to the self storage space. Um, some of the big REITs out there. Um, you're going to see some of those returns coming up here now into March on how they did last year, and I think that everybody will be quite happy with that. Um, but yeah, the big players, they're looking for these class A facilities, right? Class they don't a. want, and the is there like B. a standardized, like you have key coded entries, like, and your designers knew how to design class A for current standards, like what everybody's looking for. So you found somebody that this is what they do. They design yep. storage. Yep. Yeah. Cause you don't want to get into that. Oh, well, I th- is this big enough for is this, this unit? Enough, like, yeah. Is this enough? No, yeah. these guys, yeah. they know oh, everything. We about work it. with an excellent team and yeah. this is not their first rodeo. Um, the, the guy that's actually overseeing things, Barry, he's um, he's got 25 plus years in the space. Super uncomfortable position that you guys put yourself in. <laughs> yeah. That's Surround yourself, area. right? And it's yeah. who's who's your tribe. That's that's yeah. the that's the tagline these days, right? Is is who's your tribe and who are you surrounding yourself with? So one of the great takeaways like I from hearing Joe speak on the weekend um, at the mastermind was just him talking about um, how there's that ladder and how you'll have results that are under what you're putting in. So if you're performing great, you're getting good results. If, if you're performing good, you're getting poor results yep. and so on. And all the way up to what extraordinary. Yep. Um, so uh, you guys put yourself and he, he talked about how at the top, you're just like, you're seeking uncomfortable. Like yep. how comfortable are you? I guess we all have to ask ourselves that if we're that comfortable, are we really pushing it? Are we really going after it? Right. And, and I think that that's the thing with, with Nick and I now and in the evolution of our conversations in the beginning, it was like super uncomfortable. And now all of a sudden it's like, okay, what are we doing now? And where's the next steps that we can make ourselves uncomfortable again, right? What I think else you guys should be need? doing three more right now and well, let's see if that makes you feel uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, our goal is to get two more going this year. So we'll we'll see. We're, we're looking at a few things and have a few irons in the fire, right? So yeah, that's awesome. Like it's really exciting stuff. And obviously your first one, you would do it differently. Like once you guys know the ropes, know the contacts you work with, like... How many more would you bring Joe in for? Like, or would you guys just continuously do that? And maybe they work it out with you later on to take a slightly smaller piece. Yeah, um, we've we've had this conversation too. Um, I think as time goes on, it's only a natural progression that you can kind of eliminate some of that. Yeah, um, you probably had those conversations with him. We, too. We've had those conversations with that whole team. We were in in Tulum, Mexico, a month ago, and you know we're sitting out on this massive yacht and just having conversations of where things are going. Um, and, and where we're headed and what our plans are. And, um, you know, they were the ones saying, well, yeah, by the time you guys do the next couple, you're not going to need us and that's okay. Right. And they're just as happy to see us fly the, fly the nest too. And I've had the same conversations with the guy I partnered with, uh, on my first one in Florida, I partnered with him for a foot in the door with the contractor. And I was very upfront with him. I'm like, look, I am going to need to do these on my own, but I'm happy to do one together. I think it could be a real win-win, you know, build a relationship, you know, I'd still love for you to help me out as a realtor kind of thing. And, uh, and I think that's very smart. I mean, that's, that's how you learn, right? If you, you can't go into things blind and expect to be able to come out with perfect results every time. Yeah. Like I, I looked at it and I like, I could have gone out and, you know, just tried to call up, uh, GCs and, and find one, but I wanted to find one that would, you know, if, if they weren't connected to anybody I knew, then they might be more likely to kind of just say, ah, oh, well, I don't know him from Adam. Ah, just keep his deposit and dang, and, you know, string him along, right? Like I wanted solid connections of people with things to lose. And I think, you know, what you guys did, you you picked somebody who had an established brand, isn't going to do anything silly and, uh, you know, worked with them. So I think that's a huge, that's a huge thing is, is you stand by it is you want to pick somebody that has something to lose, right? Always. Whether it's credibility, whether yeah. it's money, whether it's whatever, that way, you know that you're going to get the best out of them. Like I worked with a lender that uh, totally did shady stuff and they were connected to the RIA. Like not shady, but they they were extremely disappointing. And, you know, I was talking to one of the organizers of the event the next time I'm at the RIA and, and I was asking him about financing. I'm like, yeah, who else can you recommend? He's like, oh, if you talk to these guys, I'm like, no, no, we're not talking to those guys. <laughs> Been down that road. Uh, they were not helpful. You know, like word gets out if, if people don't perform and uh you know, I think back to it. I'm like, there's a reason they needed to sponsor the RIA and just the people at the RIA weren't just talking about them, right? right? Like they're there and it is a small world. So, uh, you know, I'd much prefer one that didn't need the sponsor. They were just, you know, they come to the event. Oh, hey, I helped out Jim and I helped out Bob and oh, okay, great. Yeah. yeah so I think it's, it's super smart. Like, cause like how much have you learned in the last six to eight months? Oh man, it's, 
the this look i couldn't even tell you give you a scale it's it's astronomical the things that that i've learned from just get go to you know where we're at today and and obviously i've been part of and have completed many different projects of different types uh along the way in our in our experiences with with multifamilies and single families etc um but like it's it's joe joe's line is turning decades into days and when you when you bring on somebody that has been there done that you're able to learn from their mistakes without having to make them yourselves and and really get tied up in the weeds right you're able to okay that doesn't work that hasn't worked this is what we do and this is the the method to to success oh yeah i love it um so tell me about the stuff before that like obviously you were doing your own rental properties it must have been hard to be a financial planner and tell people to go into that stuff you're like meanwhile you're making you know 100 percent on your money in real estate obviously those days are sort of gone to a degree it seems but um how did you handle that sort of thing were you always talking about your it's a real estate to your clients or were you saying well if it's not real estate then i guess it's this yeah not, not quite, quite. Um, <laughs> but you know my wife and i talk about this all the time because you go into these appointments and and you're talking like yep this is what i do on the side and you know their eyes go big and a lot of people have maybe one property right and they're like yeah i'm into real estate i've got i've got a property single family they've got it rented whatever or they've just always gone the investment route and that's okay too but I think as time went on and I got deeper and deeper and deeper into the the real estate game, it was like becoming, I got to be careful how I say it, but it, it, it's a piss off to not have a product that is going to be this stable and steady and consistent to provide to them yeah. as what I'm receiving. And, you know, it's like, unfortunately, you've got to either ride the wave of traditional markets or you've got to take a GIC and just die a slow death because inflation's going to eat your reser- your returns. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of the stuff is has got management fees on it too if you're into the funds and stuff. It's yep. it's tough to provide them like even on the private equity side there's stuff out there that that's yielding well over 10%, but it's okay. not it's not stuff that financial planners have access to typically. And that's yeah, it, right? Fun. It's uh unfortunately, yeah, and this is something that I'll that we can talk about further, but You've got the fund managers that are investing in the things that the bankers are telling you not to invest in, right? It's, oh, that's too risky. Do you really want to take your chance? But then look at a REIT. What's the REIT invest in? The exact same things that we're investing in. And yeah. But here you go. We'll charge you a, a management fee and you can have a small piece of this pie yeah. instead of being able to be one of 27 in a self-storage deal. Like, did you direct clients directly into REITs or was it usually funds, like mutual funds and it's, stuff? It, the, we had real estate yeah. funds. Um but again, you know, some of the results, they're just not there. They're not anything comparable to what you or I are making. But and, and even the like show. the private, like the private equity, like companies yeah. that are out there, I'm not going to name drop right now, but, um, you know, they're floating around and they're, they're crushing, like, and they're giving people some big returns. You're getting anywhere from 12 to 15 or more. Yeah, there, right? there are, yes, there are companies that are giving people 15 a year or more. Absolutely. 10% a year is like probably a starting point for discussion with a lot of them. Especially right now. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, like the opportunities are out there and it's just. For whatever reason, like you know, the regulators don't like these private equity. Too risky, right? Yeah, too risky. Yeah. It doesn't fit into that massive, low return. Yes, yes, slow cooker, right? You're never gonna burn your food, and you're never gonna undercook yeah. it. It's just gonna come out to be okay. That must have been hard, man. I would find that hard to do to do that. You know, you, got, you have to kind of bite your tongue a little bit. You well, know, not you definitely it. do. And and I mean, let's face it, real estate's not for everyone, right? I've I've been in I've been in meetings and and talked to people where they're like, yeah, I, I used to have multiple properties, and it's just it's not for me. Yeah, it was, I think it's more the how they do it, but they then they think they convince themselves it's not for them. But you're not there to change their minds, nor will you, right. right? You're never going to change somebody's mind against their will. That's right. And you know, it all comes down to knowledge, right? And unfortunately, in education and the right education because we talked about the school system being a little bit different unless you're in Florida and listening yeah. to DeSantis now. Um, but the the right education and being fed some of the right information, um, that can help drastically change your your outlook on things. And all of a sudden, what I think is risky is not as, as yeah. risky, right? That's the whole knowledge mitigates risk thing. Yes. And I couldn't agree with that more. Like for somebody say like me, who's never done self-storage, to just go and try and do it by myself without partnering in with somebody who had done it would be foolish. Or at least having somebody who had done it holding my hand. That's right. Or or gone into your real estate development down yeah. there. 
Yeah, exactly. Like that would be that would be risky. Like that, but I can mitigate that risk by working with somebody who, to them, it's easy. To them, it's like, oh, that's simple as raising the money. Yeah, that's right. You've got the money, and they've got the know-how, and you make yeah. a deal happen, or vice versa. Like, yeah, that's so. In this case, you guys are sort of the money partner in the deal. We we make the connections. And... You just made the connections. That's yeah, right. okay. you brought it in. All right. So so you're thinking two more this year is kind of kind of the natural growth pattern, and you'll keep that's scaling cool. it from there. Yep. And it, and it was very interesting because, you know, obviously Nick and I talk enough uh, being family members and all. But um, our, our text to each other on New Year's Day was like the, the exact same thing. It's like, OK, our goal for this year was this and this. And it was the exact same. So it, it's nice to be on the exact same page. We're two entirely different people, but uh, have very much of the same yeah. the same vision and, uh, and 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 goals for achievement for our families and, and our legacy. Yeah. How long uh, have you and Nick known each other? Hmm. I don't want to date myself here. I probably going on, well, it's 15 plus. I don't know if it's 20 years, but it's 15 plus. Yeah. Okay. So, but so he's married to your sister. He is married to my sister. Yeah. And gets, uh, yeah. so they've been together a long time. I, I never asked him how long they've been married. I don't know how much I'm supposed to, I'm allowed to tell you here today, but uh, yeah, something about a, a Boston cream donut, I think had something to do with it, but yeah, no, uh, no, my sister worked at Tim Hortons long ago. So that's the, that's the standing joke, right? Is she would have a coffee ready for him and this and that. But no, they, they've known each other a long time. They've been together a very long time. Uh, they got a great family. And you guys didn't have any worries about mixing family and business this way? You know what? I think it comes down again to communication, right? Everything's just honest, open communication. We were going to not see eye to eye. That's the nature of things. And I think that that's the best part of it, actually, is that neither of us are afraid to speak our mind to each other, right? And this is just, this is our views. And okay, let's figure it out now. Yeah, I think uh, I know Nick's got a thick skin if he can work with me. <laughs> so no, that that's it, right? I mean, hey, we played hockey together, so um, you, yeah, you, we we have a good relationship, and and obviously my wife and my sister get along very, very great, uh, very well, and um, I'm thankful for that. And we just have a a clear vision together, right, on where we want to go. So at the end of the day, that's what we want. That's what we're trying to achieve. And if we're not working towards that, then what are we doing? All right. So tell me, tell me about the goal. Like there's, is there a grand vision for your life that you're trying to achieve? What was your goal setting process and how did what you've done so far fit into it? Yeah. I think as a family, we, we have our own goal of where NVDR is going to go. We each have our own individual family goals, of course. Um, but we just want to be able to have a nice lasting legacy of some capacity for our kids and our kids, kids and our, you know, and, and so on down the line. So a big storage portfolio fits the bill. Yeah, absolutely. Something that's going to continue to to raise or or provide cash flow to alleviate concerns. Um, I mean, money isn't everything, but it gives you options, yeah. right? Money doesn't buy happiness, but it buys you the opportunity to make your own decisions, right? And buy you what yeah. you need. Yeah, having just the time to think, even even just like the time, like so that on Sunday, you can truly just not do anything and think and reflect, right? Goal uh, journal, right? Yeah, exactly. Plan. Just just having that time. How many people don't have that time? Especially once you bring kids into the mix. If you have two working parents and kids, now it's like every last minute of every day is either you know cleaning, preparing, whatever. You know it all too well, right? And it's it's yeah. exactly that. You've got everybody has the same twenty four hours, the the same hundred and sixty eight in a week. Like yeah. we all have the same time, and it comes down to priorities. I mean, yes, you really want to watch Netflix, but let's make sure that you're scheduling that time for Netflix, and and make sure you're getting the the things that are paying your bills, and and yeah. you're making those those big decisions before yeah. you're sitting down to to watch your episode, right? Yeah. So how are you time blocking your weeks now that you don't work? Because that can be very difficult. You go from a structured nine to five job. Yeah. I've been self employed. One of the the biggest struggles, you know, being self-employed is nobody, nobody's checking to see that I showed up at 9am. hundred percent. That's, that's exactly it. Um, I, the, the job that I held pre previous, um, was more of a build your own schedule sort of thing, right? You yeah, that's true. You're commission based, right? Yeah. So it helps having my daughter, um, actually made me even more scheduled because it got me to the gym earlier. It got me into the office earlier. I got out of the office early in order to go to a project that we were working on. Um, we did, you know, burrs and, and conversions during the time that my wife was on mat leave, trying to be home and being a decent husband and a decent father at the time while getting it all done. You really have to be strategic in your scheduling. Um, I was a very strategic scheduler when I was employed and, you know, we talk about this all the time. 
ever since in the beginning, ever since that I left my position and became an entrepreneur, it was like, um, I'm, I'm terrible at running my schedule right now. I don't know why. Um, but it's getting back to basics and I utilize Google calendars now and I plug in everything, right? Like my gym time is in there, you know, your, your family time is in there, your time for journaling and, and goal planning and everything else is in there. Um, we have it down to as far as I think like blocking off lunches and, and dinners and date nights and just yeah. get it in there ahead of time because I'm a huge proponent in if you're not planning, um, life is going to plan for you yeah. and you'll always just be busy doing something if you don't take control of your schedule. Yeah, that's so true. I, I, I like that you pointed it out. Like you, you go and you were so, so rigid, so structured when you, when you had the job and now it's all of a sudden, it's like for some reason you fall into bad habits and then you have to build yourself back out of you, it. You wake up, you're not leaving the house. Like you've yeah. got nowhere else to go, but then you're looking yeah. at the laundry or lo you're looking at the dirt in the corner and you're like, I could be doing something else, but yeah. you know, you've got to, you've got to schedule that time. Yeah. You can still clean the house. You can still take care of whatever you need to do, but you got to get your job done first. Yeah. And your job is either let's we got to get on this call and design this massive self storage facility, yeah. or we've got to be raising funds and we've got to be out making connections. Yeah, right? being uncomfortable, I think it's you know just pushes you. It, it probably it probably helps you prioritize what you got to do in a week. But yeah, you don't want to forget. You don't want to miss that date night. You don't want to do those things, right? Like if you just throw yourself into these situations where you got to sink or swim. Like you'll swim, but at what cost? So that the balance part, yeah, the balance part is is tricky, and I, that's where I think like more of a broad goal setting, where you're kind of you have your categories of your life that you're trying to uh, that you set category uh, goals in each of them, yes, and absolutely. and then trying to reach those goals yep. simultaneously, yep. and hopefully it's it's exciting enough that it doesn't feel like we're trying to make all that work. Well, that's exactly it, right? Uh, I've got uh, I've got our family goals, I've got our financial goals, I've got our, our health goals um, drawn up, and you know when you have these these crystal clear goals, um, it's very easy to make your decisions because is this going to help or harm my goal? Yeah, exactly. Everything gets weighed against your goals. That's the way it needs to be. Um, how old's your daughter? She's well, she just turned three in November, so nearly three and a half. And are you guys thinking more maybe, or is that that? No, uh, good timing to ask that question, no. <laughs> all done? Yep, all done. Um, no, she's she's a gem. Um, she's literally like, well, I, sorry, Laura, but she's the light of my life, like very, uh, very entertaining. She's a very good girl, keeps me on my toes, very happy all the time. So, you know, it every day that you get to see your family or whatever, and you tie it to your goal of, you know, this is this is what we're doing it for, right? Is yeah. is to be able to enjoy our families and enjoy doing the things that we want to do together because you yeah. can't get time back. And the fact that, you know, you started this podcast in what, 2019? Early, late 2018? 2019, yeah, February 15th. Okay. And where has time gone? My daughter was born in November of 2019. And it's like, fast forward, you're three years in and you're like, man, you can't get the time back. Yeah. Well, I can't, I can't believe it's been three, four years since doing this. Yeah. My wife and I got married that year. I'm like four years. Wild, eh? <laughs> the lockdowns and all that stuff really compressed time. Yeah. It yeah. just made things fly somehow. Yeah. No, you're uh, you're absolutely right. But it's just like, you know, you blink and, and time's gone. Um, you know, you can go to the casino, lose, lose a bunch of money and make it back the next day. You can't remake the time you wasted. You can't. Yeah. And I was actually just reflecting because I know we were talking on the weekend, like a lot of people like their kids aren't as close with the dad. Like I, I'm fortunate that at this point, like my son's pretty much just as close with me as he is with his mom, Amazing. which I don't think is, is that common. And I kind of took that a little bit for granted, but I don't like missing a bath time. I don't like missing, like I put him to bed every night and all that. I, I never want to miss any of that. I had to this weekend for the event, but you know, that makes it tough to like go do those things. Like, cause if you don't want to miss that stuff. And that's the first thing you guys opened with at that mastermind event though, was key was not only did you put out financial, um, investment in this, but you also have time investment. People were driving from some of them two, three hours away uh, to come for the day. And then they're leaving at nine o'clock at night. You put in 14, 15 hours into that day, make sure you're getting something out of it. Oh yeah. Yeah, just like to me, like out two two dinners in a row. I'm like, who? Yeah, am I? right. You you miss bath time on two consecutive days, and it's like, yeah, yeah, no, don't don't ever miss that, right? And and don't take that for granted because that's very important. Yeah. You're you're doing all of the things that you're doing for, yeah, yeah, right? for my family. Yeah. yeah, um, that's very cool. So just to jump back into a couple of the specifics of what you were doing, like when did you start investing in real estate in general? 
2018, I think. 2018, then you guys were buying what? Well, we bought our first uh, single family townhouse. Um, it was, I mean, as much of a turnkey rental as you're going to get. Um, bought that. And then the next one was filled with fleas and stripped to the studs and 3,800 square foot duplex that was completely redone. It was a big duplex. Um, you know, it was looking at it and the things that I know today I would have done differently and maybe it would have ended up in a triplex, right? Um, so did you end up burying a little portfolio up in the area like yeah. Cornwall? Absolutely. Burrs from, we've, we've got places or had places, um, Brockville, just outside of Brockville, um, some of the smaller towns. Now we've kind of gotten rid of all of the, the high cap, high income. We didn't need the, that level of income at the time, fortunately. Um, but turn the high caps into a lower cap, larger building um, to try to retain, retain, retain the wealth, right? Some okay, so so you've bought some multifamily, larger multis now. Yeah, I've, we're into a into a nice sixplex that's like six, seven years old. Um, you know, some higher on the higher end side of things, it's brick building. It's not going to deteriorate. Is that Cornwall as well? That's uh, just outside in a small town, Long Sioux. Okay. Very nice spot. And what would something like that rent out on a, a per unit basis? What should it be rented out at? Fourteen, fifteen hundred. There are two bedrooms, um, self-contained units, right? Heating, cooling. Um, yeah, big high ceilings, clean, bright places. Um, but yeah, no, and it's again your vision from everybody's ba uh, master bedroom window, primary suite. Sorry, um, is is the St. Lawrence River. So. It's really a nice spot to be um, in, an, in an up and coming developing area. There's a lot of people that want to be in that space. And would you be, are you looking to grow more in Canada or is it just pure focus on the U.S. right now? Uh, again, uh, I think the opportunity presents itself. We'll, we'll take a look at it. Uh, but you don't need the cash flow. That's not why you're doing it. Well, not at, not at this point while my wife's still there. We are, we are working towards self-storage and, and pulling a cash flow. Because there will be cash flow there, right? Like, like. 250,000 a year or something like that. That's the cash flow on the property. Absolutely. We with wow. with the with the deals that we're we're looking at and running the numbers on, yeah, we're we're looking for kind of that minimum of 225 to 300,000 um a year in in net income because you've got a we've we've sliced up the pie, right? We've got 25 to 30 investors um on board. Uh, or 20 to 30 investors on board you've got the gp side of things and yeah. you've still got to make it valuable for ourselves yeah. for putting this deal together right so um yeah the, the cash flow numbers look really good um obviously the financing numbers with interest rates going up aren't always the best but uh, they'll come back down and the nice yeah. part in the states you've talked about it um a lot with with having the the ability to to do 30-year terms right yeah so you can lock it in 30 years yeah oh, that's amazing yeah, that's a huge advantage in the U.S., locking your mortgage in for 30 years. There are some break penalties, but I believe after five years, it, that won't cost you anything to break it. Right. Um, I don't know the nuance, so obviously check with your whoever's providing your mortgage. Uh, I give those disclaimers. Um, just my take. Anyways, okay, um, Jake, awesome discussion. I think we're, we're out of time. So where do people find you and follow you? Yeah, so uh, LinkedIn, uh, Jake Rosenau. I'm on Facebook, Jake Rosenau, or um, on Instagram is Rosenau Holdings. Rosenau Holdings. Okay. Awesome. Well, we'll get uh, some of those links up. Uh, if you haven't already, shoot those over to me and I'll put them in the, the show notes. And uh, yeah, man, a safe drive back to Brockville and we'll see you next time you're down here, hopefully. I hope so. Thanks a lot. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. Please make sure to share this episode far and wide. Help it help more people. I really appreciate you tuning in. I'll see you on the next one. There are a lot of people out there talking about the infinite banking strategy and whether or not it makes sense for them. To find out what it's all about and if it's a fit for you, visit controlandcompound.com forward slash Andrew Hines, where my audience can gain exclusive access to books, podcasts, and webinars tailor-made for real estate investors.